It's the big one. The Sky Half Price Sale is here. Choose from award-winning Sky TV and everything on Netflix or unmissable sports with every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports all half price. Take Sky Cinema and watch the biggest blockbusters or grab Sky Broadband Ultrafast for lightning fast speeds. Choose one that suits you. They're all half price for six months. Save big in the Sky Half Price Sale. Search Sky Half Price. Availability subject to location, TV and broadband products sold separately. For more info, see sky.ie forward slash speeds. Setup fees, min terms and further terms apply. Offer ends 2nd of September. What do you expect from your day each time you leave the house for work? Do you expect there to be traffic? Do you expect to have to search for a parking space or perhaps for the bus to be late? Do you expect to take the first 30 minutes of the day to ease yourself into it? What happens when there is a slight disruption to any of your daily routine? Does it throw you? What if instead, when you left the house, you didn't know what the next 8 hours would be like every time you left? What if, when the door closed behind you and you started your journey, you weren't fully certain you would ever open that door to your home again? Could you do it? Not just once, but every day. What kind of courage would you need to have? It's the life of a man born in New York to immigrants from County Leitrim which answers these questions for us. This is his story. In Brooklyn, New York, in 1933, a child was born. He was baptised as Robert Emmett Judge. Robert was born during the Great Depression to two poor Leitrim immigrants. They had left their home on the Emerald Isle in the hope of creating a better life for their children in the New World, the land of hope, the land of opportunity. They heard the stories of the lucky Irish finding gold, oil and the riches of the world. Their goals, however, were the same as the millions of other poor Irish Catholics who landed on the east coast of America. First, find somewhere dry to live. Second, get a job. And third, try to earn enough to eat. The Irish in Brooklyn were already finding life difficult on the far side of the Atlantic, but when the Great Depression hit, misery tore through their lives. They did their best to keep going, to keep spirits up. They would meet regularly in each other's dwellings and sing songs, tell stories and if the mood struck just right, have a dance. Fiddles, whistles and borons were played. To the un-Celtic ear, each reel they spun off sounded like a joyful, whimsical song, but to those who remembered home, They understood the songs were masks for the difficulties of life. Robert, growing up in this community, understood hardship, poverty and pain. From it too, he also learned of joy, inner peace and community. Difficulties came and went in his early life, but at just the tender age of six years old, tragedy struck and his father became ill and passed away. He had died of a slow and painful illness which spread from his inner ear into his brain. 
Robert watched daily as his father's life was slowly torn away from him. With the family already struggling, Robert decided to earn a little income to help his mother. He packed up a small tool bag with his father's shoe polishes and set off to New York Penn Station and at just six years old he began shining the shoes of the wealthy awaiting trains to take them off to the land of the rich. When he wanted to give his back a break, from time to time he would go to the nearby Franciscan church and sit in silence, collecting his thoughts as this young boy was forced to become a man. It was here he compared the lives of the rich to his own. He thought about the things they talked about whilst he cleaned their shoes. He understood that they didn't see him as a human. It was here he decided the best way for him to help his community was to help bring them the feeling of inner peace which he enjoyed. He decided to become a priest with the ancient order of the Franciscans. When he joined, he changed his name to Michael. Michael officially joined the Franciscans at the age of 15. He spent time moving between different learning centres they had created around New York and then studied at the St. Bonaventure University where he earned a bachelor's degree. In 1954 he was assigned to Patterson, New Jersey to begin spreading his message of inner peace. In 1961 he was ordained a priest. Once ordained, he moved around the Irish communities in America. Boston, New Jersey and the Bronx were all called home at one stage or another. In around 1971, Michael had developed alcoholism and really struggled with his daily duties. The sadness of his early life and the loneliness of his new life caught up with him and life became somewhat difficult to manage. The alcohol he found was fogging his path to inner peace. His friends in the community saw the effect it was having on him and together the Irish community helped Michael on the road to recovery. Each member of the parish carried his burden, such was their love and respect for him. In 1978, Michael declared he was free from the burden of his illness as a result of the good people of New York. It was from this point that he dedicated his life to the people of New York as a whole, trying to give back to them what they had done for him. During the AIDS crisis of the 1980s, Michael stood with the victims and put pressure on those in power to help. He saw that those in power were aware that this illness only really affected the poor and gay communities of America. Communities that were a burden for the rich. A burden they would have preferred removed from society. For his efforts, those in charge of the spiritual beliefs of others in the church scowled at him. Michael stood with these suffering communities on the front line of their battles. He displayed immense empathy for their suffering, 
his deeds became widely known. He was known to have given his coat to a homeless woman on the street, commenting that she needed it more than him. While anointing a man who was dying of AIDS, the man asked him, Do you think God hates me? Judge picked him up in his arms, kissed him and silently rocked him. When funding was being cut for addiction treatments in America, Michael again took the battle to those at the top of society. As those suffering were seen as a burden on America's progression, Michael fought the narrative of those in power. When a homeless crisis engulfed New York and nobody in power cared for those on the edges of life, Michael once again took the fight to those nobody else could reach. His position as a priest gave him access few others could get. Michael stood in power with them on the front line of their battles. In 1992, as a result of his role in the community, Michael was invited to be the chaplain for the New York Fire Department. This was a role Michael was highly valued in. He did not shy away from the fires as other chaplains may have done. When the bell rang in the firehouse, Michael was often the first on the truck ready to go. He was often first on the scene in cases of tragedy. In 1996, when TWA Flight 800 exploded after takeoff, Michael raced to the scene to help where he could. When Chinese immigrants washed up on Rockaway Beach, he broke the barriers and marched with the fire department to bring them coffee and blankets. Michael not only prayed and looked after the victims of tragedy, he also had a very special place in the hearts of the members of the fire department and their families. Given what they would see on a day-to-day basis and the emotional baggage they would carry, Michael was a great place of refuge for them and a source of peace. Nobody was ever turned away from his door. I part with Michael's story for a brief moment. I want to take you to where I was on September 11th, 2001. I was 10 years old. I got off the bus from school and I walked the rural road back up to the home my parents and siblings had created. As the bus sped off, I was left with the smell of its fumes, the long stopping smell that only a metal frame seated, safety beltless bus built in the 1970s could produce. Either side of me, the wild ditch plants of Ireland, fresh after their summer's bloom, were preparing to wilt to the power of winter. I came in the door, and as was custom on a Thursday, I took from my school bag the caramel square sweet cake my mother had purchased for my lunch as she returned from her mother's home after visiting the night before. I got a pint glass of milk and sat in front of the TV, which had been inherited from my grandmother's house. As the TV lights flickered on, I did not see the beginning of wacky races. Instead, I found myself watching the news. It was on every channel. What I saw was two smoking buildings in New York City. The events of that horrible day we know now as 9-11 were underway. 
picture was intermittently interrupted by the replays of the two planes going into the side of the buildings. Within eight minutes of watching this feed, I watched on as one of the buildings collapsed to the ground. 29 minutes later, the other one fell. As I watched on, however, others were acting. One of them was the son of immigrants from County Leitrim, Father Michael Judge. Upon learning of a plane crashing into the side of the World Trade Centre, Michael ran through the city to get to the site. He did not for a moment pause to think of the danger to himself as he pulled his door closed behind him. He ran against the crowds running the other way. When he arrived, he saw the injured and the dying people of his city lying on the ground. He grabbed their hands and prayed with as many as he could. As he prayed with them, he saw his friends in uniform enter the building. Always on the front lines, Michael chased in after them. He reached an emergency command post in the building and helped to move the injured and dead out of the building. At no point did he worry about himself. He was in his usual priestly garments, such had been his rush to get there. He hadn't suited up for the battle at hand. People clamoured towards him, asking him to pray with them, but he ordered them all out of the building and said he would be with them soon, but first there was a job to be done. As the second plane hit, Michael was standing on the front line of the battle with the other members of the fire department, rescuing as many people as they could in the frantic chaos of that morning. At 9.59am New York time, Michael stood upright, spread out his arms and prayed aloud, Jesus, please end this right now. God, please end this. As he did, the neighbouring south tower began hurtling towards the ground. As debris came flying from it, it spun towards where Michael stood. He was struck by a piece of metal and killed instantly. NYPD Lieutenant William Cosgrove found Michael's body. He and two firefighters, Christian Waugh and Zachary Vaus, as well as a civilian, grabbed him and pulled him out into the open. As they left the building and placed him on the ground, the north tower they had been standing in fell. When this day of days finally ended, Michael's body lay on a rubble-filled street in New York City. He was declared the first official victim of the 9-11 attacks. Victim 0001 I leave you now, but before I do, I invite you to join me in listening to the words Father Michael Judge shared with his parishioners, colleagues and friends in the New York City's Fire Department on the 10th of September 2001, 9-10, one day before his death. That's the way it is. Good days, bad days. Up days, down days. Sad days, happy days, but never a boring day on this job. You do what God has called you to do. 
You show up, you put one foot in front of another, you get on the rig, and you go out, you do the job, which is a mystery and a surprise. You have no idea when you get on that rig, no matter how big the call, no matter how small, you have no idea what God's calling you to. But he needs you. He needs me. He needs all of us. Today's music was written, performed and produced by myself, Ryan O'Halloran. The story was researched and scripted by Oren. You can support this podcast by buying us a coffee at www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash we the Irish or leave us a review on your podcast app. Ryan is Anam Dunn. Gaurav Mahakut. Slán